Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning. Welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Leslie Stock-Lopez. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, you were with Star Group Wealth Management, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about building a financial plan and how critically important it is for caregivers. And yeah. so, um, so it's my understanding that you uh, have a financial literacy type program, is that correct? Well, I was part of the financial literacy program that the Alzheimer's Association recently released. And financial literacy is always important for uh, all of my clients and especially for caregivers. And so why specifically caregivers? Right. So first, just to step back on, on my definition of caregiver, this would be an individual that's not paid. So we're talking about a spouse, a sibling, um, a son or daughter, and they are responsible not only for the physical care, but also the financial care of the individual. So when we're talking about this, it's really important that they have a really good grasp of money and finances and how they can be used to, to support the individual that they're taking care of. And so when we talk about financial literacy, that's really the, the core of it, is making sure that this individual has those skills because they're going to put those into place and making sure that the care is, is throughout the lifetime of the individual they're caring for. I saw a number and it was astronomical of the number of unpaid caregivers that are actually doing caregiving in this country. Yes. And, um, and so, so how does caregiving impact finances? Yes, it's, it's quite significant. And, and I, I see three key areas that it, it really affects. And so the first is the out-of-pocket expenses, which is what you were alluding to. Um, about 78% of caregivers have out-of-pocket expenses that they're not reimbursed for. That's, that's a large amount. And if we're talking about a, an illness like Alzheimer's, then the amount is around $11,000 a year. But even without uh, an Alzheimer's diagnosis or dementia, um, it's, it's at least half of that. So still, $5,500 a year coming out of pocket can really have an impact to the caregiver. Then the second area is employment. So most caregivers have to pull back on hours or they have to change jobs that have more flexible hours or they have to quit completely. And of course, all three of those options have an impact to not only their current income, but their retirement income as well. And then last, it comes to the health area. So as a caregiver, it's, it's exhausting. And so it can, be, uh, it can be very detrimental to the, um, the health of the caregiver. So they need to take care of themselves. But if they're, from a financial standpoint, if there is an illness, that can cause additional financial burden because not only do they have to take care of their health, but they're going to have to have someone else cover for them while they're recovering. So it does have a huge impact. We're seeing in, in, in my office a lot more kids uh, and other family members paying expenses. Yes. You know, for for some, you know, for their loved ones that have, you know, have declined. And so so it's starting to become uh, very more apparent um, because the cost of care has gotten 
so high. Yes. Uh, it's made it a lot more, you know, difficult for people to to get good caregiving. And so right. Right. And, uh, I find that it's a little easier in my office to kind of talk about these things because I'm an elder law attorney. So we we kind of dig into the the nitty gritty and, and hit all those topics that most people don't don't want to talk about because we have to talk about them. But, um, you know, a lot of people have a difficult time having these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have some suggestions for maybe family members or, or caregivers to have these conversations with with someone? Right. Yes, yes, I do. And it, it, it can be difficult. I think in situations, um, really specifically, if it's a, a child that's taking care of an adult, because culturally, we've been taught that it's not polite to talk about finances, right? You, you, you know, those aren't the things and you certainly don't ask your parents about their finances. But when it comes to a caregiver situation, we really have to put those cultural norms behind us and think about what's best for the individual. So when you have those conversations, we want to start out more in a more a positive way. So uh, a, an example might be, um, I, I, I respect you and I understand that you want to have privacy, but in order for me to be the best caregiver I can be, I, I need to understand the resources that you have so that we can put a plan in place. And so if you're speaking from the heart, Something like that seems to be quite genuine. Um, now, when, when, when there's a, a, a dementia component to it, it can be a bit difficult um, because the individual, you know, has, has changed cognitively. So sometimes it's helpful to bring in a third party, like an estate planning attorney, an elder care attorney like yourself, a CPA, a financial advisor, who can encourage the individual to speak to their child or whoever the caregiver is and say, it's really the, this is the time that we need to start having those conversations with, you know, your daughter, your son, and that may be a little bit of the push that they need to get started. And then making sure that the conversation, the, the approach to the conversation is done at a time when, when everyone's calm, there's not a lot of activity going on, um, and that it's just kind of a casual conversation because it might take one or two or three or four even uh, reminders to get them to you know where um, where they need to be. And of course, the focus is always on the individual, you know, uh, and if you, like I said, if you come from the heart and you say, this is something that I want to do for you um, and I want to know what your wishes are. So it's really all about understanding them and making sure that their, um, their life path is exactly what they're looking for. Yes. I've had clients that have come in and, you know, done their, their planning and, and they'll say, you know, how do I get my mom or dad or grandparents in? Cause they need some planning as well. And, um, you know, so a lot of times you tell them, you seem to go brag about how good it felt to get it done, you know, just little things to kind of, you know, to kind of help because it's, it's so important for everyone to have a plan. And we start planning in my office from the time they come in at 18, that's how old they are all the way up. Um, yeah. because you just never know, you yes. know, what life has in store. So we always want to make sure that we're doing all the things, you know, necessary to, uh, you know, to help them along. And so, but from your perspective as a, as a financial advisor, what steps are needed to, to get started from, from your perspective? 
Yes. So once you've had the conversation and they're willing to move to the next step, um, then kind of sitting down and starting to put all of those elements together. So we first we start out with the, with the goal and it's basically, you know, what do you want mom or dad to have happen in the future? Uh, most people want to stay at home. Some people say, hey, all of my friends have gone to, you know, the, uh, the Shady Hill rest home and I really want to be there. Um, starting out with the goals that's important to them, it would be the first area. And of course, writing these down. And then we look at the resources that are available. Uh, and we're looking at uh, pension, Social Security, IRAs and other investment accounts that they can use to help supplement the goals and, and the income that's necessary. And this is also a really good time to start to consider some of the support services around the illness that the individual has. I can't speak for other groups, but I know the Alzheimer's Association has uh, a litany of um, places that, that you can tap to help support income. Uh, if you're a, a veteran, there are uh, services there, um, Social Security, et cetera. There's a lot of places that you could go. So that's the time when we start looking at pulling in all of those resources that we can put together. And so, so then we look at the monthly budget. And this is this is where we really put a you know a sharp pencil a sharp tip on that pencil to make sure that we've listed all of the expenses, but not only now but in the future. Um, so again, with Alzheimer's, the illness is progressive; it gets progressively worse, and the level of care is needed. A greater level of care is needed. So what we want to do here is look at the budget that we have now and sort of anticipate where it will be in the future. And so when we put all of these things together, we can get a much better picture of, of the finances and where the dollars and, and cents are going to come to. Now, in our planning, we all we think that the legal aspect of it uh, is critical, and that's something that you cannot deny. Um, so we want to make sure there's power of attorneys and all of that medical powers and all of those things are in place as well, because we want to make sure that the caregiver has access to all of those, that they're the named person so they can take control when the individual becomes incapacitated. So that's really, really important for us. And so... Um, uh, I know that a lot of folks think, look at that and they say, wow, that's a lot. You know, I, that was not my background. I'm not really good with numbers. Um, and so what, what I say is this is the time to build your care team. So work with your CPA, your financial advisor, your uh, attorney, and make sure that all of those areas are covered and that the expertise of these individuals can help you put that total plan together. Yeah, so I'm glad to hear that because that's the way we operate in my office, you know, so we want to work with the financial advisors, the CPA, yeah. and put all the things in place because, you know, you want to have good documents, but you also want to have them current and up to date. Yes. The laws have changed on the statutory bureau power of attorneys. Uh, every two years for the past, you know, six or eight years now, they keep tweaking them and doing different things with them. So uh, and there's extra things that we add to ours that are crucial to helping with long-term care planning. And so, uh, so that's, I'm glad that, uh, that that's something you mentioned, because I think sometimes people forget how important it is to, to get those documents in place. So, so we get the plan in place. Um, so what kind of things do you uh, do after that? So once the plan is put into place, um, then of course we, uh, we put it into action. 
and to and test it and make sure that that what we have uh, put together as far as the budget goes, there's no surprises. Oh, we forgot about this, or we find a new resource. Making sure that we sort of test the plan in that capacity. From a planning standpoint, as far as a review, a minimum is every year, but when something significant happens, let's say the, uh, the disease progresses or there's a change in diagnosis, um, then of course that's the time to go back in and make sure that everything is still in place. And we always wanna visit who we have taking care of the individual and if that person is still able to do so. And then I think what's really critical is to have a backup plan. Uh, because what happens to the care, what happens when the caregiver is unable to provide that care? Um, my, when my grandmother had um, her diagnosis, her sister was helping her. She fell very ill and passed away. So we had to come in, my father and I took over the caregiving responsibility for her. And luckily we had a plan in place, but sometimes you don't have that opportunity if you don't think about it in advance. So I always recommend that we have a plan B backup. And then really for the caregiver, they need a break. It is an exhausting job to care for someone 24 seven. And so there needs to be hours or days built into the plan, uh, a time for them to go and maybe sit on a beach and read a book for a week and decompress and really recharge that battery. And so what are we going to do in that time when you're gone? All right, so we make arrangements to have the individual at a facility that will give excellent care for that week while you're gone, and then everyone benefits from that process. Yes. Yes, getting respite, having other people help. Um, one of my clients, uh, I told her, I'm like, you, you look like you just need a nap. Yes. You know, so I need you to sleep. So I, I need the, your your child to to stay for you know a few more hours or, or wait till the, the caregiver that's you know that's there. I need you to go home and take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're, you can either go home and take a nap voluntarily or your child's gonna drive you around until you fall asleep like a baby. <laughs> and, uh, you could tell she was very exhausted. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you know so for you know for for me I've been a caregiver, you know, so I've, I've done that job. Uh, you know, we've, you know, my grandparents were, you know, the people in my life that, you know, I helped take care of. And so, so it's really important, you know, for us to make sure just like you to make sure that all the things are in place. And so, yes. and so I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. So tell people how they can find you. Yes. Um, so my company again is Star Group Wealth Management and we are um, in the West Chase area of Houston. And my email address is lsl at star-tx.com. And our phone number is 713-783-3400. Can I add one, one more thing? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I know all of this is overwhelming and there is a guide that the Alzheimer's Association provides regardless of the illness that the individual has as a caregiver. We have a guide called a caregiver's guide to finance. And so that can be found at the Alzheimer's Association. The website is alz.org and they can help you. And I think that that's a good starting place. And there's there's like a workbook that helps you walk through it. Perfect. And yeah. so website, because I don't think you mentioned that. Um, yeah, they, their website is ALZ. Oh, I'm sorry? Your website. Oh, okay. Um, and, and there's information about the Alzheimer's Association on my website as well. Uh, you can, as you can tell, that's a passion of mine because of my grandmother's uh, illness. And so my website is www.star-tx.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Perfect. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice. 